fundamental challenge for doctors seeking patients' consent to interventions is the inability to know what will happen next. Patients consent to procedures every day, including procedures that will be conducted by trainees who are inexperienced and whose learning will ultimately benefit future patients. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Raphael Rush, a rheumatologist at Toronto Grace Health Centre. Dr. Rush has written a perspective article about consent and about the gift that patients give when they allow trainees to learn on their bodies. Dr. Rush, in your perspective essay, you tell the stories of two patients in whom you performed joint aspirations with some difficulty. Could you describe the circumstances in those two cases and why do you think neither patient stopped you during the procedure? The essay tells the story of two patients whose aspirations I performed as a trainee. One of them was the first patient whose joint I drained as a resident, a man whom I saw in the emergency room one night on call. In his case, I think I ended up performing the injection because ultimately there was no one else around. We both understood that it was an urgent situation in which we needed diagnostic clarity in addition to any therapeutic benefit. And although we both understood that we could wait till morning, it seemed likely that if we did, he might suffer complications as a result. The situation with the second patient was a little different. He was a gentleman whom I saw toward the end of my residency at the beginning of my rheumatology training. And although I should have been able to perform the procedure easily, it became much more complicated. I offered to have a more experienced person take over, in this case, my attending physician, who was available, but the patient explained that he preferred to have me do the procedure. I later understood that in addition to the benefit of the procedure, he perceived that there was some other benefit as well, that in having me perform it, he would be both helping education more generally and also helping other patients, the other patients whom I would later see through the rest of my career. Are there other procedures you performed or conversations you've had as a trainee that similarly exposed your inexperience? And if so, is it usual for patients to respond the way that patient did? There are many such situations. I think that's sort of the nature of medical training itself. Some patients was always the first. Every trainee does something for the first time. And when they do it, they're by nature inexperienced compared to the person they will be at the end of, they will be afterward or as time goes by. Most patients, I think, do respond quite differently. Many patients prefer to have someone more experienced take over. It's probably a small minority of patients, I suspect, who are willing to be a trainee's first time. And I think that as trainees, as doctors, and ultimately as patients receiving the care of more experienced physicians, we all owe those patients a tremendous debt. In telling these stories, you talk in your article about how requesting permission and obtaining informed consent shouldn't end with a signature on a form. What do you mean when you write that consent must be an ongoing process? What does that process look like? The way I was taught as a medical student was to obtain a informed consent was to focus primarily on making sure that consent was informed and voluntary, to make sure that my patients weren't coerced to make sure that they understood the risks and the benefits of any procedure and of the unique risks of having a trainee perform them. And those discussions primarily focused on risks and benefits in an abstract sense of risk of infection, of bleeding, etc. But the philosopher L.A. Paul, whom I mention in the piece, discusses how people transform over the course of an illness. Their goals and their values at the beginning of an illness may not be the goals and values that they develop over time. And what that means is that a decision that they made at one point in their illness 
isn't necessarily the same decision that they would make going forward. And so although I think we often focus on that initial discussion, occasionally speaking with a patient to make sure that their decisions haven't changed, I think that it's crucial that as time goes on, as illness changes, as patients themselves develop changing goals and values over time, it's crucial that we attend to those repeat discussions with the same ardor, with the same focus as we do on those initial discussions, recognizing that initial discussion was just the decision someone made at a single point in time, recognizing that it may not have bearing on where we go next. In addition to those potential changes in values and aims, do you see changes over time in patients' relationships with their care team? Over time, the relationships between patients and the people who care for them can change, sometimes for worse and very often for the better. I think that that's one of the things that trainees can often offer. Trainees often spend much more time with patients than more senior physicians. They're still learning, and as a result, their examinations take longer, and they can often perform a deeper exploration of a patient's illness, sometimes on purpose and often inadvertently. As a result, the relationships that some trainees forge with their patients may be unique compared with other doctors. One of the other patients I describe in the piece was a patient who ultimately found that his relationships with medical students were the strongest he formed with any members of his care team. And as a result, he actually preferred to have his care delivered by them, understanding, of course, that there were more experienced doctors standing by and overseeing his care as well. I think that, of course, those situations may be rare, but they're also very real. What about changes you've noticed during your own career? How have your relationships with patients changed as you've gone from being a medical student to a resident to an independently practicing clinician? One of the big changes, for me personally anyway, is that as a trainee, my relationships with patients were often very brief. That is to say, I might spend hours a day with an individual patient, but rotating as I did between sites, often changing what I did from month to month, my relationships with patients were often, unfortunately, very short. As my own career has progressed, and I've been able to participate in more outpatient care, as well as care in a post-acute care setting, I've had the opportunity to develop relationships with patients that span months or even years in some cases. It's provided an up-close experience to see how patients change over time, how their goals and values develop over time, and how they come to think of the experiences we've shared and their own experiences of their illness and how those change too. I've learned that patients may be very certain very early on about uh, how they expect their course of illness to be, but over time that that may change, that sometimes people are disappointed in care that they once appreciated, but other times patients come to adapt to their illnesses or adapt to complications that have ensued and may even come to see things in retrospect as positive experiences where once they were all negative. I don't think there's any pattern, just, but over time, I think I've come to appreciate the complexity of people over time and the recognition of how much people can change. Finally, in your essay, you describe patients' decisions to allow trainees to learn from their bodies as a gift. How do you express gratitude to such patients and is there anything that hospitals or trainees generally can do or should do to thank those patients? That's a really interesting question. Primarily, we express our gratitude as physicians and as trainees with our words. It's often challenging to do anything else. 
Over time, we may express them as a deepening of our relationships with such patients. Ultimately, though, I think that these are gifts that we pay forward. It's impossible to express to a patient the benefit that you receive as a doctor, as a trainee, from being allowed to participate in their care. Often I feel that the best thing that we can do, the only thing we can do, is pay that debt forward, deliver the best possible care we can over time to the patients who come after, recognizing within ourselves the gift that we've received. Thank you, Dr. Rush.